In this special edition of Makers on the Road, we're coming to you from KubeCon CloudNativeCon Europe 2022 in Valencia, Spain. Stay tuned for in-depth discussions at our first Tapas Tuesday event and noteworthy interviews from the KubeCon show floor. Thanks for listening. KubeCon and CloudNativeCon conferences gather adopters and technologists to further the education and advancement of cloud-native computing. The vendor-neutral events feature domain experts and key maintainers behind popular projects like Kubernetes, Prometheus, Envoy, CoreDNS, Container, and more. Hi, it's me, Cameron Gain, correspondent with the new stack. I'm here today at KubeCon 2022 in Valencia, Spain. And I'm here today with James Leverack from Jetstack and Christoph Blecker from Red Hat. And today we're talking about the status of Kubernetes. You could call it a status report of sorts in that during the past year, uh, following actually the beginning of the pandemic where there was a huge surge in adoption of highly distributed environments, the pandemic came and further accelerated that trend. And now here we are, I think two years since the pandemic started, and we're looking at what struggles and challenges remain. Obviously, the, the challenges and struggles remain huge. So where are we? And please uh, speak to the community about that. What, what, what is the status report now of Kubernetes adoption in the context of cloud-native environments, please? The Kubernetes adoption, the trend is still up and to the right. There's there's been an acceleration in in the last few years, not only of Kubernetes but the ecosystem that has built and developed around it to to handle some of the 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 modern challenges that are facing companies who need rapidly scaling computing environments. James, do you concur with that, or what, what's what's happening out there with the people you're speaking with? What are they struggling with? Uh, I think I agree. I think we're seeing lots of new adoption. We're seeing lots of new features, building new foundations. So my most recent role in the community has been to lead Kubernetes 124. And in that, we've seen lots of new features that are focused on stability, lots of foundational new features that will really help the entire cloud-native community move to that adoption and really bring everyone with us. Maybe we take a step back a little bit and move more towards what you guys are doing. And Christoph, you told me just now that you have done over thousands of pull requests for the community. And can you please describe that? And maybe describe how you guys are juxtaposing your work, contributing to the community in your daytime jobs. I don't know how you do it, frankly, but maybe you could talk to us about that. I got started in the Kubernetes community roughly about five to six years ago. And I started as a, an end user. Uh, I was working for Disney at the time, and Disney was looking to uh, adopt Kubernetes within their own environment. So they got a team together to kind of look into and research how would Kubernetes and the scaling and resiliency capabilities of it help us uh, achieve some of our, our, our business goals. But as part of that, I was looking and, and working with them as a network engineer. And the early days of Kubernetes networking was very, very rough. There were lots of like rough edges that we ended up encountering. So to fix those, I started looking into the code base because it's all open source and was able to identify some bugs, identify some issues and contribute back 
code to the Kubernetes code base to end up fixing those. For your problems you're trying to solve. For, for, for my, yeah. my, my company's uh, uh, direct issues. Yeah. But that effect ended up snowballing where the openness and friendliness of the community really got to me. And I love the ability to not only see under the covers of what my software was doing, uh, but be able to actually contribute back fixes to it. So that kind of spiraled into more contributions, doing contributions on my own time. And then a few years ago, I, I made the switch from uh, Disney over to Red Hat, uh, where I directly contribute to Kubernetes as part of my day job. And what kind of, what's the time split like? It varies from yeah. team to team and yeah. that kind of stuff. Maybe for yourself right for, now. For, for myself, yeah. it's roughly about 20% of time that I'm dedicating specifically to upstream. But um, there's, I, I give feedback in in lots of different ways, both internally to our goals at Red Hat, but also more importantly, like my role in the community in the last few years. In addition to, I'm a tech lead for the Contributor Experience Special Interest Group, which focuses on that onboarding ramp for new folks to get involved in the community, to be able to open pull requests, um, and to be able to contribute stuff back. The last three years, I've served on the Kubernetes Steering Committee, which is the lead governance body for the project, uh, to be able to set our direction not just quarter over quarter and release over release, but setting our project guidance up for years to come. Excellent. James, how about, what's your story? And when did you start? And what are you doing now? So I started in the Kubernetes community about three years ago. Okay. I oh. started using Kubernetes at a, another uh, fintech company I was working for, and I found it so fascinating as a project and so interesting in the problems it was solves, solving right. that I found it more interesting in the work I was doing. So what, what, what problems are you talking about specifically? I mean, why did you find it so fascinating? It was, we needed to deal with uh, software that could run in the cloud and also run on-premises. And trying to... Scale? Yeah, trying to build that scale and trying to make something that was portable between clouds, between on-premise deployments. That was really important to our business use case at the time. Okay. And we evaluated a whole bunch of options and we found that Kubernetes really solved that problem really neatly. and was backed by a lot of really, really interesting clouds, really interesting companies. So we felt it was a very firm foundation to build on. And that's where we moved in. And I found the Kubernetes community so interesting. They ended up joining Jetstack. And from there, I, I joined the community. I came to a, another KubeCon San Diego uh, back in 2019, nice. met a whole bunch of community members. And I asked someone in the bar, how do I get involved? And, and I ended up, I ended up on the release team. And, and here I am two years later. And it's, What's your time split like? And, and um, so similar to Christoph, I, I get time from Jetstack to contribute upstream. For me personally, I spend 10 to 20% of my daytime working on Kubernetes upstream in some form or another. Most recently, of course, that's been the release team, but I also work with SIG release more generally and, and a few other things as well. What exactly are you both working on right now? And is that reflective of some of the problems they're trying to solve as a community as a whole or not? So uh, my my role on the steering committee, um, I'm not only looking at, again, as I say, not just the immediate like quarter over quarter release over release kind of issues, um, but the kind of long-term sustainability challenges that a project, the scale of Kubernetes has to deal with. We have uh, the late the latest number I saw was about 70,000 contributors to the Kubernetes code base and expanding every day. And that scale of just the number of folks who want to get involved in the project who are contributing different bug fixes, documentation, and features, 
back to Kubernetes. It's a massive kind of undertaking to try and, and manage and organize it all. And the me, along with the six other members of the Kubernetes steering committee, a lot of our work is focused on those long-term sustainability challenges, making sure that we have the right kind of people working on the right kind of things and advocating for the needs of the community with other stakeholders like the, the Cloud Native Computing Foundation. James, do you agree? Yeah, I think that's really valuable work. That's a really valuable focus to try to understand what we can do to grow the community and what we can really do to, to help contributors uh, contribute to Kubernetes and, and build it into be the best project it could possibly be. Yeah, because I think we can agree. I mean, I think we can assume that most of the users here or most of the people attending the conference are relatively, at least relatively new to Kubernetes and cloud native. And as it's been in the years past at the other KubeCons. So what would you tell them? What would you tell these people who are coming in from different angles and they're just looking to get started in the community? How do they get started? There's a couple different ways that you can kind of get started on your own cloud-native journey, especially if you are like a, a technology professional who's looking to, to expand into the space. One of the easiest ways is literally just going onto our website, kubernetes.io or our contributor site, kubernetes.dev. There's a lot of information there on the various different parts of our community, the different teams that you can get involved in if you want to end up contributing, as well as if you're looking for kind of an overview of the ecosystem, there's some resources and certifications on cncf.io to learn about all the different projects and how Kubernetes builds this foundation for the rest of the cloud-native ecosystem to kind of build around it. Excellent. And going more towards the mechanics and the components of Kubernetes, there are essential things that must be in place, I would argue. For example, you cannot do it without service mesh. You cannot do it without Git or particularly a GitHub, for example. What, what are some of the, I mean, do you agree? And, you know, what are the essential components, you would say, that have emerged? I'd say like the ecosystem, like Kubernetes has always from the beginning been designed to do a thing and focus on that thing and do it well. A lot of folks, like, I, and I would tell this to anybody who's, who's getting started in this ecosystem, a lot of folks view Kubernetes as like the solution to all of our problems. But that's not what, even what Kubernetes is designed to be. Kubernetes is designed to be a scalable, resilient platform for container orchestration. And it does that really well. But then there's this entire ecosystem that's built around it in the, in the cloud-native community for other components that are the best at what they do. And, and that's where the, the entire like cloud native landscape kind of spr springs out of, of different projects and, and different components that all link together. Sometimes you might need a service mesh and that may, may work well for your particular project or your particular business needs. But in other cases, you may not. And that's one of those important challenges to learn is figuring out what components and what puzzle pieces from the cloud native ecosystem are really the pieces that you need to support your business goals. That's the perennial, perennial problem, isn't it? I mean, what we're talking about how many uh, projects do we have now in the CNCF umbrella? Hundreds? I, I think it was 120-something, uh, uh, Priyanka was saying this morning. It's definitely hundreds. It's a lot of projects. I think that shows a real strength of a community, though, uh, well, a, a real strength of a cloud-native ecosystem, is the idea that you know Kubernetes is this foundational component, but Whatever your business problem is, chances are there's at least two projects out there to help you solve that problem. 
So if even if you need to do something special, if you need something that needs service mesh, if you need something that needs more complicated storage, more complicated networking, there are projects out there to help you solve that business problem. And I think, though, as far as the developer community goes, that's kind of the challenge. I mean, it remains arguably an operations type of problem you're solving with extending orchestration of containers, et cetera, to scale across environments. So for the developer community, where are we now as far as applications specifically being developed for Kubernetes environments? I think developers nowadays are much more aware of the benefits of yeah. designing and building their application to be not just cloud aware, but cloud native and, and being able to take advantage of the ability to scale up infrastructure dynamically. It, but it takes it takes not only awareness, but it takes a particular skill set to be able to figure out how those pieces work to deliver again on your business goals and your business objectives. Because there's a lot of there's a lot of fascinating technology nowadays, but I, I caution folks on getting involved and, and picking up technology just for the the, yeah. the the need or desire to pick up that particular technology. Every, every time I talk to folks, like you, you, I want them to focus on what those business goals are and then see how they can leverage the cloud native ecosystem to make it, to achieve those goals easier and quicker than they could otherwise, because the software that we're designing should work for you. You shouldn't need to work against the software to then try and cram your business goals into whatever the it technology is of the day. Certainly. And I guess as the SRE role, you guys know more, I mean, you know more than that. You're especially involved in making sure that developer experience is maintained properly and just making sure everything runs. So you don't get that call at 5 a.m., right? So Christoph, I believe you're, you're an SRE. Yeah. My role is actually a little bit different. I'm a solutions engineer. So my job is to help our customers at Jetstack yeah. uh, implement and solve their business problems. And we do that primarily with cloud native technologies, but we always think about what they're trying to solve. We don't go into places and say, oh, you need a Kubernetes and a service mesh and a CICD pipeline and all this. It's what problem are you having and how can we help you use cloud native to fix that problem? Excellent. It goes back to what is your problem you're trying to solve? I think that's so often overlooked, and I completely agree. Well, thank you both. It's uh, B. Cameron Gain, a correspondent with the New Stack here in Valencia, Spain. And I want to thank you very much, James Laverack from JetStack. Thank you for having me. And Christoph Blecker from Red Hat. Thank you so much for having thank me. Thank you very much for joining. KubeCon and CloudNativeCon conferences gather adopters and technologists to further the education and advancement of cloud-native computing. The vendor-neutral events feature domain experts and key maintainers behind popular projects like Kubernetes, Prometheus, Envoy, 4DNS, Container, and more. Thanks for listening. Subscribe on Simplecast and listen to more episodes on the new Stack Makers. Create and share your favorite audiogram using our Simplecast player. For more articles and great stories, go to the newstack.io.